Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. I've just been dealing with so many different things right now. The um uh, I'm going to get to the tape and just evaluate everything, and uh, I'll leave it at that. We're keeping everything on the table over the next couple of days. So you're, so you're not committing to Zach as your starter for Sunday? Not right now, not until I'm done evaluating everything. Everything needs to be evaluated. It's just when you when you put up 100 yards of offense, I don't care how good New England is, and they are good, um, it's unacceptable. It's not NFL football. And... Uh, so everything is just being talked about. How can we be better? How can we be better, be better as coaches? How can we call the game better? How can we game plan better? How can we execute better? How, how can we change practice? Um, so, yeah, the quarterback is part of a, a pile of stuff that's being talked about. That pile of stuff is dog shit. That's what he called it on Sunday after the game. Sorry. Sorry, enjoy your breakfast, but that's what it is. That's what it was. That's what it will be unless they make some major changes. And can you imagine that statement, that observation being made about any other guy that we regard as a franchise quarterback? And obviously we don't regard Zach Wilson as one. We regard him as a guy who could become one, who entered the league with very high expectations, second overall pick in the 2021 draft. But it, it's clear now, and, and I'm sure his attitude after the game, both at the podium and in the locker room, SNY reported that he was walking around like he's not the problem. To get back to the point we were making last segment, how do you conduct yourself after a game like that? What messages, what vibes are you giving off to your teammates when you have the C on your jersey? That's all very relevant. And I think that for the quarterback position, especially Chris, it's a blend of what does the film show me and what is my team leader doing for me? How is he motivating or otherwise the players in the locker room? And it's all hey, today's the day they're going to figure it out because tomorrow they, they start practicing in earnest for a visit from the Chicago Bears. Yeah, no, I mean, listen, I think it sounds like and we know the play was not good. We get that. We understand, and that's been scrutinized over, you know, the stretch of 
I would like to say him being five and two as a starter as a quarterback against some of the best defenses in football. All right. But at the same time, it sounds like it's more of a an attack on what you're talking about than anything. It's like the way he carries himself, the leadership, you know, maybe being a little too cocky, not humble enough. You know, maybe that's what it is. He certainly wasn't laughing or jovial in any way in the post-game press conference. So I don't know what, you know, people view as he's walking around acting like it's not his fault. You know, is he, you know, again, now Zach Wilson's become kind of the jump on guy. We, we jump on him even when he plays good and they win. So that's where I, I'd like to know what they mean by he's walking around acting like that. Now, again, I, would I have liked his comment? That, and again, that, that, that was a report. That was a report right. from Connor Hughes of SNY yeah, based on the sources that there are people in the locker room who are rubbed the wrong way by how he's conducting himself. So we don't know. Yeah, We don't exactly. know. We didn't, get a, we didn't get the benefit of a shot. Right. Like show me a picture. Show me him smiling. Show me him joking around. And, you know, again, I'm, I'm sure people are saying things like that. That's what happens after a bad loss. The Jets have too many people that talk in their locker room anyways. Garrett Wilson talks like he's been to seven Pro Bowls and he's been a nine-time All-Pro, and he's like the leader of the team, and that's unacceptable as a rookie. Elijah Moore acts like he's like Randy Moss and should be just be able to do whatever he wants. So they have issues there. That would be the first thing. They have some young guys that talk too much, and that would who be should, the first thing. Who should thing. go tell them to shut up, though? Who should go tell them to the shut head up? Coach, Isn't that what the that's where the, Well, no, the head coach has to set the culture there a little bit of like, this is the way it is here. And, and, hey, Garrett Wilson, we love you, but you give too many State of the Union addresses for our football team. You've been here for seven <laughs> minutes, and you've given seven different unions of the address, addr- addressing the union here over your career. Stop. So it's a little much that way. But it wasn't good. And his answer after is what's really jumping off here, right? Because that's, that's, last that question, last easy. question. That's the no-brainer. Did you let the team down? No. He wasn't smiling or anything. He should have answered it differently. There's no doubt. Damn. Yeah, we feel like we let the defense down. Damn, we let ourselves down. We stunk today. I let myself down. I stunk. We all stunk. Of course we let the defense down. They only let up three points. He should have said that. But also at the same time, he looked like a guy that was pissed off and not happy and just wanted to get done with the press conference and act, showed like he cared a little bit too. So that's where, you know, again, we all wanted our both ways here sometimes. Uh, but, yeah, I didn't like that look for Zach Wilson either. I'm, I'm not trying to no, defend no. that. No, and you're right. It's not like he was laughing and smiling. He wasn't, right. he wasn't Russell Wilson jubilant after no. losing a game, which we've seen a few times this year. But it's a very easy thing to do. It's a very easy thing to say. Do you feel like you let the defense down? Yes. Yes, it's obvious. Everybody knows when you only score three points, when you have two yards in the second half, of course you've let the defense down. The defense did everything in its power to win that game. So why not just admit it? That's what's odd to me. And yeah. I said this yesterday, Chris. If you look like you're 12, you can't act like you're 12. Yeah, I hear NFL. you. That's you right. have to act like you're 32 if you look like you're 12. And this comes down to media training. This isn't just the kid's fault. Just like you said with Garrett Wilson. You need to have people in the organization who understand how to communicate with the players when it relates to how the players communicate with the world. And that's where the PR department becomes critical. It's not just the coach. You've got to have people who understand the impact 
of messaging, who understand the things that could be said and how they would be received by the media, especially in New York, for crying out loud. If any teams in the NFL need an expert high-level PR function, it's the New York teams because they are constantly in the middle of the minefield. Everyone's looking for that soundbite, for that thing that can be used to blow up the back pages of the tabloids. So you've got to have these guys wired to never say anything that can take on a life of its own. So, again, the individual players are responsible for the things that come out of their mouths, but these billion-dollar organizations need to have people in place who can coach them, not just on how to play on the field, but what to say and what not to say off the field. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree there. You know, totally agree. And, and, you know, like we talked about with, like, Shanahan and the 49ers, Sala and them, they want those passionate – you know, no questions asked, let's go type of guys. And I love that. There's no doubt. They got, a, they got some guys that got some fire on their football team for sure. But, yeah, between the guys that are in charge of, you know, shepherding the players to talk to the media and then the tone in which, you know, the player, the, the, the head coach sets about, you know, how we're going to talk in front of the media and all that, it is an organizational thing. So, you know, they, they could handle some things differently for sure. Now – we could talk about what's going on on the field. The field has not been pretty. We get that. It's not. It's not pretty. Jack Wilson, was that good? No, absolutely not. You know, that, that, that's the problem is we have two Patriot games sandwiched in, a, in, in between, you know, a one good win. And the Patriots, you know, Wilson didn't play good in the first matchup, had the three interceptions, and two of them which were stupid, played really, really good against the Buffalo Bills and Josh Allen. They win that football game. And then, of course, you, you know, this past Sunday was bad. And, and you know, this is where, again, Mike, I just want to set this up. It wasn't good. I understand that. But I sit there and watch the tape yesterday. And, again, I don't know. Maybe Zach Wilson's not that smart. Maybe they're not adding plays in the playbook. Maybe there's things going on that I don't know about. But I sit and watch the tape and I go, I'm not sitting here going, oh, man, people are wide open everywhere and he's really messing this up. Here's the first play of the game. I mean, it's locked. Nobody. Nothing. I mean, when I say nothing, Mike, there is nothing. Here we go. Where does he throw this ball? So there's a lot of this the whole game long. And then the Jet fans go, Zach Wilson sucks. Here we go. Here's another down. He wants to throw it down here because they think they have a pick play. The guy plays it great because they got a guy inside waiting for the other guy. So he's he doesn't have to dive in. There's nothing. And he has .4 seconds to throw the ball. Zach Wilson sucks. Okay. Now next play. Here we go. Oh, third down. Our second and 40. Nobody's open. Makes a scramble for 15 yards. Zach Wilson sucks. Okay. Now we get into the next one. Oh, a laser down the middle into a 30-mile-per-hour wind. Zach Wilson sucks. I mean, he sucks. I mean, he really does. He does. So there we go. All right, and now we got a third and seven. It's an all-out blitz. They have one guy not blocked. He's got to throw it a little early. Yeah, I'd like him to throw that nice. He doesn't. Right. Here's a second and nine. Oh, here's the Rich Samini play that he left on Twitter. He's talking about Denzel Mims is open down the middle of the field. Here's the Dan Orlovsky play on Twitter. Remind this, please, Courtney, if we can, guys, back here. You know, first off, what th this is where I'd like to really, like, let's just pause it here for a second because this became a big thing on social media yesterday, and I think it's a low blow by Dan Orlovsky. Does the quarterback know the playbook? I mean, Dan Orlovsky didn't know the route the guy was running until the second time he went through it, but he was going to question whether Zach Wilson knew the playbook. It's a low blow. 
It's a low blow. And he thinks, and he explains on the video, the receiver here on the bottom, Denzel Mims, is running a big post, a deep post down the middle. I don't, doesn't look like a deep post to me. Looks like a skinny post, a glance route. And that's why he threw the ball like this. I'm guessing there was a rule, man-to-man coverage, we want you to throw the skinny post. The guy round, ran, ran the route like a skinny post, right? Garrett Wilson, he obviously feels like he's open there. I, I don't think that's open. And see, there we go. That's, that's not acceptable <laughs> reaction either. So what I want to say here, again, this is where I'm talking about too, though. I mean, that's not wide open. And his rules, in a lot of ways, probably said to play that. But, Mike, my point is he did miss some throws. It's not great. But I don't come away looking at this going, oh, my gosh, people are everywhere and he's missing it. I I, I don't. Two of the three throws that everybody's making fun of that he missed, I want to go, the guy was going to catch it a yard behind the line of scrimmage and go nowhere, and we're making that a big deal. So it's a little overblown. I know it's not great. He's got to handle himself better, certainly. But I, he seems to be a guy that people really want to jump on, too. And that's where I think it's adding to this can, conversation as well. And this is where it can be a little dangerous in the media. You want to be very entertaining. You want to create a moment organically and authentically that people are like, wow, this person really knows his stuff. And Orlovsky made it clear a couple of weeks ago he wants to get into coaching at some point, so he's got an interest both in being as entertaining as he can be and also making people think he can be a pretty good coach because he told Dan Patrick two weeks ago he wants to at some point. He was a little too candid for my liking with his long-term aspirations. So my point is if you're going to do it, you got to get it right. You got to be buttoned up. It's got to be 100%. There can't be any room for misinterpretation. If you're going to make grand statements, they got to be accurate. Well, you so can't I'll make assumptions, right? On this. Right. 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 Yeah. Or Mike, you've I got mean, to at least acknowledge I'm making an assumption. Or, but, if you're exactly. An assumption, that's you're what. Stating it like it's absolute fact. That's exactly. A that's the problem. I do this all the time. Hey, I, I make videos. You see them on social media. Every day. I, I, I'm not sure exactly what this guy's rule is. I could be wrong. He might have had to do this or he might have had to do that. I explain that. I say that. You know, that's what you have to do. But you can't start the video going, first off, the guy has to run the in-cut the right way. And then go, oh, wait, actually, he's not even running that route. And now then talk about the quarterback doesn't know the play. And that's where I, that's where I don't love it. And I've got experience with this play. So I, in a lot, and I've been in offenses where this play becomes this skinny post. And I want everybody to focus on the guy down low. And if we can rewind it again here just to show it or maybe just let it go. The guy on the bottom runs a route, boom, puts his foot in the ground and turns his head like he's expecting the ball. You know, Dan's trying to make a point, and Dan's great. I'm not trying to be down on Dan here. I'm just talking about a little bit of an unfair thing I think he does here to Zach Wilson to add fuel to the fire, and I don't think it's correct here. That's that's my biggest thing. And, you know, he's trying to make a point that the guy in the bottom should be running a deep post and you should never be throwing this, and I don't think it's a deep post. I don't think that they, the Jets run skinny posts where Zach Wilson throws this ball a lot. This is a big part of their offense. And so that's where I don't love that, Mike, and you're right. That's where you just you got to be careful. You know, you just set a narrative on fire and everybody just runs with it and goes, oh, yeah, he doesn't know the right. playbook. And that that's not fair to say. He's not out there like doing well, and, and stupid stuff over and over like that. This reminds me, it's a different 
context, but it reminds me of the pouncing on Russell Wilson after they lost that awful Thursday night a game. A little like bit. There's an opening. There's blood in the water. So let's all, as media, dive in, or let's throw more chum in the water. The fans are the sharks. The people consuming the content are the sharks, and we know there's blood in the water. Let's throw as many fish heads as we can in there, even if we probably – either should have been doing it all along and we're holding our bucket of chum until the most opportune time or or you know we're 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 just not really we we've got fake fish heads we're throwing into the water and we're trying to fool the sharks because it just felt like this is the time to pounce on Zach Wilson now he brought a lot of it on himself he did but still no after Sunday's game it just felt like the time to just assume like you said he sucks and we're going to do everything we can to prove he sucks, even if we're taking some unfair liberties with the film in an effort to prove that he sucks. Yeah, yeah. Listen, and I know everybody thinks like, I'm, oh, well, he, you know, he ranked Zach Wilson as the number one quarterback, so he's always going to defend him. What, are you – then you don't know me. You, you don't listen. You're just seeing. I don't, I don't hold back anything for anybody. I mean, gosh, I'm the guy that sit here and is Aaron Rodgers the greatest thing ever. Who's been more critical of Aaron Rodgers over the last year than me? Right, Mike? I mean, again, you know me well enough to know that I, I'm going to call it like I see it. I'm not, well, I'm not going to continue to BS to just cover up an assessment I made two, three years ago. I, I, like we always say, I like being right. At some point, I'd like to go, oh, you know what? I was wrong. That guy's an idiot. And now let's watch how bad this player is and evaluate it. So I, I'm not sitting here going to try to do that. I think the other thing that needs to be taken into account here is the style of football the Jets are trying to play right now. The, the Robert Sala won a Super Bowl in Seattle playing this style of football. They're not necessarily looking to play a game of throw the ball for 300 yards. They're playing through their defense. They want to run the ball. And just like Russell Wilson did in that Super Bowl all year, they're looking for Zach Wilson to make two, three, four throws every game to just kind of put them over the edge and go, okay, defense, run the ball, you make a big, a few big plays, we'll win this game. That's what they've done, and they've gone 5-2. and two. The Patriots were all over their stuff, let alone he was the leading rusher, they couldn't run the ball, and they couldn't protect anything. Was he good? No, I get it. But for everybody just to go calling for his head and then add fuel to the fire, I just think it's been a little bit over the top. That's all I'm saying. Okay, so question then, yeah. Chris. If if the New York Jets under Robert Sala are trying to duplicate what the Seahawks did. Yeah. Why did you use why use the second overall pick on Zach Wilson? Why not why not uh Patrick Sertain? Why not trade down? You know, why not get somebody else and not have because what are you doing in New York? You're bringing a savior at the quarterback position in town. They're still waiting for Joe Namath. So if you really are, and I'm not, I'm not doubting you. I'm just no, saying. No, I hear you. I hear you. It doesn't, no. it doesn't make sense. They shouldn't have drafted him. Well, they're playing if the they're long play here, to too. You know, it's, not, it's more about than just right Micah now. Micah Parsons. Well, they want. They could have had Micah Parsons. You know, again, they, they've got a lot of the pieces in place that we like and that, 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 that speak to what you're talking about. They got their Richard Sherman, Sauce Gardner. They've got a lot of the things that we're talking about. And they got a quarterback so they feel like they can, you know, do that for a long period of time. I think that's the reason they do that. And they're bringing him along slowly. Again, he ended the year last year well. He got hurt in the middle of the year. This year he was hurt early on in the year. This is they were they should have been 0 and 3 without him to start the year. 0 and 3. 
I mean, if Cleveland doesn't shit, piss, and a bunch of other things down their leg, they're 0-3. I mean, so that's where it's just it's weird. What else you can do? Well, I, I think you have it covered. Well, you might be able to puke down that leg too. I don't know. All right, but either way, that's where uh, it, it's it's that's where I'm a little surprised by it. And I know it wasn't good, and it gets personal for the Jets fans because they're so sick of the Patriots beating them. And I understand that, uh, but they got to help Zach Wilson too. They got they got to help him a little bit. It, it's the game is not made very easy for him, Mike. And they playing in the windiest one of the windiest games of the year, and they threw the ball down the field more than anybody in football in this game the other day, other than two teams in the whole sport. So that's the other thing you go. Oh, so wait, we get to play the Patriots, who are all over our stuff. We can't protect you. We can't run the ball. It's thirty mile per hour winds, and we're going to ask you to be the, one of the most aggressive throwers in football today. Oh, oh, okay. Great, Coach. Thanks. Thanks for that. The, the recipe of success there. That's got to help me. Uh, that, that's all I'm saying. Again, it's not good. And I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to like totally defend it here, but I think the criticism has gone a little crazy. All I know is this. Yeah. I don't know much, but I do know this. In back-to-back games, the Patriots have held the Colts to three and gotten Frank Reich fired. <laughs> They've held the Jets to three and possibly gotten Zach Wilson benched. Yeah, right. Kirk Cousins, they're going to get you next in two nights. <laughs> Who in Minnesota is going to end up out of a job and or benched after Bill Belichick and the Patriots get done with them in, in two nights? And, boy, I can't, I can't wait. I think I'm going to have some extra turkey and just sleep through that game. Here are some Jets players in the locker room uh, voicing support for Zach Wilson, notwithstanding all of the criticism that has been sent his way. Lakin, what's the belief level in Zach right now inside the locker room? I mean, it's, it's high. He's our quarterback. What do you mean? You know Zach Hart as a defense. He's a leader of our team. He's a great player, um, great person in, inside and out. He don't have to um, do anything when it comes down to covering up himself or doing anything that the media spit out. Because uh, we know how hard he come in and work every day. He know the things he put on the line to uh, for this team and for the offense and defense and special and, and the organization itself. So um, we all have faith in Zach. We all love Zach and we all a part of this team. That's one of our brothers and we're going to stick by him um, through hell or high water. So We have all the confidence in the world in Zach Wilson. Mm. Okay. Okay. Um, and, but that, that needs to be universal. That needs to be universal, and you need more guys behind him, and you need you need Zach Wilson to not shoot himself in the foot with the things he says publicly yeah. and whatever he's doing in the locker room to spark the report from Connor Hughes of SNY. And I don't know whether it's right or wrong. All I know is it's published on SNY. Right. He, he's credentialed. He works for them. I got no reason to doubt what he's reporting that in the locker room – you know, he's he's acting as if he's not part of the problem and it's pissing guys off. And look, guys are already inclined to be pissed off anyway after that game. They go out and they fight and they scratch and they claw and they think they're finally, finally going to end that ridiculous losing streak to the Patriots. And it all falls apart in a stunning moment where Marcus Jones returns a punt for a touchdown, fueled at the very end by what should have been an illegal block. So I can understand why people are pissed off. Yeah, they're they're emotional. I mean, we are in the era of quarterbacks, and we kind of more now than ever just always give them the the blame or you know all the all the accolades in the world. We we do, and again, he needs to play better. There's no there's no doubt about that. I get that, but 
damn, he's played some good defenses, and they got to help him out, and he's not the only issue on that team. I mean, that's where I just I defended a little bit here, and we'll see where it goes. But, uh, yeah, the Jets still got talent and still got something going here, and – I, you know, in a lot of ways, it's it's going to be interesting to see them. This this is an issue of, you know, again, I know the play is not great, but it's they're they're five and two with them playing, and things are going positive, and it's it's the fan base that's just they're rabid. It's it's I don't know, they have an issue with it. I don't they don't they don't like Zach Wilson, whatever, and it it looks like this this issue might be a real issue for their football team. It's going to affect them on the on the field. By the way, everything is reacted up here in the New York area about Zach Wilson and the Jets. Unfortunately for us at NBC, it's too late for the NFL to flex Joe Flacco and Trevor Simeon into primetime on Sunday night. Unfortunately, <laughs> we won't get to enjoy that matchup. Or Mike White, the one-game Hall of Fame wonder of the New York Jets, who may get another chance. We'll see how that goes. Let's take a break. When we return, some playoff contenders, including one in particular, had bad showings in Week 11. Do we see red flags, or is it just an aberration? We'll discuss that next here on this Tuesday edition of PFT Live. I mean, it just sucks that we lost this bad, you know? Um, I mean, if we just lost by three, seven, ten points, you know, it wouldn't it wouldn't be as bad as, as before, you know? People lose games, you know? We, we, we're not expected to go uh, undefeated for the rest of the season, you know? Uh, things happen, you know, it's the NFL. Uh, you know, we, there, there's good teams that we're playing. Uh, so I mean, it's just the fact that we lost by 37 points at home. Uh, so it's just embarrassing uh, just being in that type of situation. Justin Jefferson, just one week after regular season win for the ages in Buffalo, the Vikings suffer their worst loss since October 6, 1963 at home. Worst loss at home in that long, 37 points. Uh, and, you know, Chris, before we get to whether or not these are red flags or just a blip on the radar screen, one thing that has bugged me this week about Vikings coach Kevin O'Connell and multiple players, they're playing the we're still 8-2 and two card. I don't like that. I don't like that. You're 0-1. You just got stomped by 37. Oh, we're still 8-2. and two. You're going to be 8-3 and three with that attitude, and you'll be able to say Friday, we're still 8-3. and three. I just don't like that organizational reaction. We're still 8-2. and two. For all that really matters, you may as well be 0-10 because you look like and played like you're 0-10 on Sunday. So just, just my, that's my reaction. Maybe you disagree, but I, it's bothering me to see player after player and coach after coach saying, we're still eight and two. Well, that doesn't matter, and yeah. it ain't going to matter to Bill Belichick. No, no, I, you know, again, no, I, I think sometimes as a coach, you got to try to find a way to like, right, change the thought, change the narrative a little bit for your players. I could see them maybe just trying to beat that in a little bit to take away from. Wait, you're not that team that lost by thirty-seven. Don't forget, we're still eight and two and done good things, right, Mike? I I could see that being the message. I've been I there. I understand what you're yeah, saying. The you way you put mean? it, I get it. You know, I get it. like, hey, let's just let's swipe this away. That was you're you're more this team. You're eight and two still. 
You know, that wasn't us on Sunday. I could see him trying to change the narrative in everybody's brain in the locker room that way to think a little bit. They got to do something. Yeah. They got to do something because the Patriots are coming yeah, I know. in two days. I know. So they You're nervous. Something. You're shaking in your boots. I know. <laughs> I'm not. I accept that it's going to be probably worse. We want. Hey, Jefferson said at one point yesterday, we want to get this bad taste out of our mouths. We're glad to be playing on Thursday night. Yeah, that bad taste could be replaced with something even worse than that, the way things went Sunday. All right, so red flag or blip on the radar. Let's start with the Vikings being blown out by the Cowboys and being held to only three points. No Christian saw Thursday night. He suffered his second concussion in two games. Once he exited, it was open season on Kirk Cousins, who was sacked a career high seven times. Jefferson said yesterday, we got to get rid of the ball faster, easier said than done. Is it exposure of frauds or is it something that the Vikings can turn around, Chris? Well, no, I, I mean, yeah, I, I... it's a tough one. I'm going to say it's a blip on the radar. Gosh, I want to say there's a little bit of both to this one. I I don't, again, I don't think that's your team there. You're not 37 points worse than the Dallas Cowboys. You're not that, right? And I don't know if there's a team that we're going to see here down the stretch that can do that again to your Minnesota Vikings here. You know, but, but, like there, there is some things to be worried about overall. It's the third game in a row. You guys have been outplayed. Uh, that that would be the thing that I bother. Yeah, we, you won two of them, and that's great. Uh, but I do think, you know, overall, I'm going to say a blip on the radar, but how could you not be a little concerned about the way your defense has looked, right? And I think the other thing that's just a little maybe concerning is I don't, I don't know if the run game and the offensive line is as good as everybody thinks they are. Uh, that, that's the other thing, too. I think everybody just thought, well, wait, Green Bay ran it like this on Dallas, and Minnesota should, too. And I just want to be like, well, I know you got a Dalvin Cook, but Green Bay's a they're a much better running football team than you guys are this year. You guys really haven't been all that dominant in the run game, if you really look at it. So there's some concerns there, but I'm still going to go blip on the radar for now. You know what Sunday reminded me of? Where were you in 2011? Were you, were you I was, in between playing and I was coaching? done. No, yeah, I was done. I was actually just okay. sitting at home in Nashville, Tennessee at that point. It reminded me of the way that the Patriots handled Tebow mania. Because mm. in 2011, it was constant shamrock up the ass. <laughs> right. Down 15 in the fourth quarter, no big deal. Win a game. Down seven with every possible... <laughs> The circumstance conspiring against you, no big deal. Still find a way to win. Tim Tebow would pull it together and get the victory. So the only way to deal with that was to completely overwhelm the Broncos from the moment the game began and make it so bad that by the time the magic hour came, there was nothing you could do. There was no magic in the world that could reverse it. And that's what I thought of on Sunday. The only way to keep the Vikings from having the shamrock up their butt is to kick their butt so thoroughly that no number of shamrocks out there is going to make a difference. And and Belichick's the one who provided that lesson to the world. He did it in the regular season. Remember that really hyped Broncos Patriots regular season game where you know there's oh we're gonna yeah the tug of war between I remember this well CBS and NBC we're gonna get to prime time is it gonna stay in 425? It was like the most coveted regular season game ever. And then they got together in the playoffs. Both games, the Patriots destroyed, destroyed the Broncos, giving Tebow no chance. 
to pull off any magic at the end. And I think Belichick's going to bring that same mindset. We got to knock these guys out, and they're going to find a way to, you know, some crazy chain of events, and we're going to lose the game. That's my concern. And and that the defense isn't good enough to keep that from happening, especially if the offense can't produce points while the other team's offense is getting the ball yeah. down the field and right. scoring points. Right. I, I think you know you you said it. I think those are the those are the concerns. You're right, and and you you ran into a team, you know where, I think you were fortunate in Buffalo. They don't really run the ball that well. And the Washington football team is kind of in the process of getting a run game going three weeks ago, and it was just turning the corner. You know that that was the first time we saw you have to play a team that like well we can, they can do both kind of good. And how are you going to stop that Minnesota? Oh, you're not going to stop anything. They're going to run and throw all over you. And I think that's where it's a little concerning, you know. But again, I'm still going to go blip on the radar. I don't think that's what they are. But you know, I think what we're saying is that there are some things that can potentially be red flags here for Minnesota down the stretch, and we'll, we'll see if you know they they kind of arise here down the, with some of these tougher games on the schedule. My son believes that. Eight and two is going to become nine and eight by the time it's all said and done. So you wouldn't guess that he's my son based upon that level <laughs> of pessimism. The Giants sparking some pessimism by losing at home by double digits to the kneecap biting Detroit Lions. Turnovers, miscues, just they just getting gashed by the Detroit running game. Saquon Barkley had fifteen carries, none went longer than four yards, too many penalties, interceptions by Daniel Jones. Is that a blip on the radar, or is it a red flag long term for the New York Football Giants? I, I think it's a red. I think it's a red flag. You know, I, I know you know you just talked about your Minnesota Vikings team, and Alex, your son, thinks they could end up being nine and eight. I mean, I, I, I wouldn't be shocked if we were sitting here four weeks from now and we're sitting here going, "Hey, the Giants are seven and six. I mean, with Dallas, Washington, Philadelphia, Washington, Minnesota, Indianapolis, Philadelphia on the schedule down the stretch, again, you know, it, to me, it's a red flag because they're going to start playing some teams now that, yeah, just just playing a game of wait, we didn't turn the ball over is not going to be good enough. You're going to have to go out and win these games. Like you're going to have to make plays and move the ball. And you see a Detroit team who's you know playing some better defense and a Giants team that didn't have a passing offense to take advantage of the bad Lions defense. They could kind of go all in on stopping the run. You know the Giants, you know, like we've talked about all year, they it's a, they have to control the clock, run the ball really well, not turn the ball over, have Graham Gano make a few fifty-yard field goals, and hope that Wink Martindale and the defense can create some chaos and make a play or two there and turn the ball over. But they're not even that great on that side of the ball. So I, I mean, there's there's concerns for me with the Giants, and I think it's more of a red flag. I think that schedule is really the reddest of the red flags. Right? Two games against the Commanders, two games against the Eagles, one more against the Cowboys, and you're in one of the best divisions in football, and somebody's going to end up in the basement, yeah. and somebody may not make it to the playoffs, even though you would say they're good enough to get there. And and the Commanders, I would be very concerned. A great game this weekend. Yeah. They get together for the first of two times, the Giants and the Commanders, and they've or had some weekend. great battles. These yeah. division rivalries, is it next weekend? Well, they play is Dallas on Thanksgiving this, this weekend? weekend, you know. Oh, that's right, and then yeah. it's next weekend. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You're yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, I'm sorry. 
Well, who does Washington play this weekend? They play. I thought they played somebody. They do good. play somebody right, this weekend. Right. The one thing I know is they are Falcons, playing somebody right. this, this weekend. The, they are playing somebody. They are playing somebody. <laughs> it's somebody. You're right. It's the Falcons, and then it gets more difficult for the yeah, Commanders. Right. Yeah. How can I forget? How can I forget the Giants and the Cowboys? I don't know. I'm this shocked. is the best slate of NFL. Thanksgiving games that I can remember. Right. I mean, think about it. And the, the power rankings are coming out just after the show. Five of the six teams playing on Thursday are in the top ten. That's amazing. And the Lions and are the Lions red are hot three right now with right. three straight victories. Right. right. Yes. Yeah, it, it is. It was I, 2006. 2006, yeah. the triple header started. I don't even have to go back and look. I could just tell you viscerally, this is the best trio of Thanksgiving games we've ever had when the games arrive. Yeah, right. And and I remember when the schedule came out, I was like, oh, God, I guess they're taking full advantage of the captive audience this year. Giants-Cowboys, who wants to see that? Vikings-Patriots, who wants to see that, right? Oh, the Bills, the Bills 72, the Lions 2. Who wants to see that? So... Yeah, Different I don't remember three in a row like this. I'm, I'm, I'm excited. I really am. I mean, I, I cannot wait to be sitting on the the couch eating hors d'oeuvres and stuff like that at twelve o'clock on on Thursday morning. It's gonna be, uh, it's gonna be a fun day. Do you have hors d'oeuvres on Thanksgiving? You really did have a laissez-faire upbringing. Well, like, like. Like, is there going to be or some, derbs? like, well, like, you know, carrots and celery with, Horse like, divorce? Dip? Yeah, like, in some chips and dip. Why and do you st- fill up on that crap? Well, I got a little, we're, we're a late Thanksgiving family, right? All right, first off, Big Phil has to do his CBS crap yeah. and do the pregame show. So <laughs> we got to wait for him to get home. We're the type of family that doesn't, we'll be lucky if I can get my sister and her family there before 4.30 or 5 o'clock. We won't eat dinner till 6 o'clock on Thanksgiving, which is totally crazy. Well, wait, are you going to eat dinner during the Giants-Cowboys game? And then are I you have, kidding well, me? I, I, exactly. And then I get up. They, they, you know, People get back, oh, you're getting up? And I'm like, yeah, i got to go see what's going on in the game because we'll eat in the dining room and there's no TV there. Right, so... You know that's that's going to be an issue certainly uh, during the Giants game. They're they're going to have to deal with me moving around a little bit. You know the best news though, NBC has a game on Thursday night. And neither of us is working. That's great. That's a great thing. They're getting us back on Christmas though. Don't you worry. We'll be there. Not for you. That. Not you. No, not me. I'll be here. Oh, I'm coming down my chimney yeah. on Christmas. <laughs> I'm not going to Thirty Rock. Oh, jeez. Wherever it is. I am. I, I think. Hope. Oops. Yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, what's going on with Matthew Stafford? We will be discussing that when PFT Live continues right after this. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Whoa. It's a Thanksgiving tradition like none other. The National Dog Show presented by Purina. Thousands of good boys and good girls compete for the title of best in show. Thanksgiving at Shake That Off, Noon Eastern, NBC, and Peacock. It's a big I deal. Yesterday, I want another dog 
I don't think I'm going to get one, but I want another dog. I'm trying. I've begun, like Ralphie in a Christmas story. Well, why do you want another one? Seed. Why do you want another one? What's what, like the one's not enough? Why do you need two? I just want. I yeah. I want another one. I want one that is mine because Macy is Jill's. Everywhere Jill goes, Macy goes. But we know what's going to happen if we get a second one. Jill's going to have two dogs yeah, up her butt right. wherever she goes. Yeah, right, so, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just it doesn't seem like you're the only no- time the. Macy has has interest in me on two different occasions. One, when Jill's not home, and two, when it's dinner time and we're eating. Because for some reason, she perceives me to you're, be you're the, the softer mark. You're the I sucker. She's, Jill's, Jill's the alpha, right. so Jill's not giving her anything. She comes and she sits by me waiting for me to give her pizza crust. And, you know, this is very – my dog loves pizza crust, and wow. I love my dog. Wow. So I don't eat my pizza crust anymore. Wow. And I have to, like, like there are times where it's like I, I come out and heat up a piece of pizza from the, you know, I love having leftover pizza around, and I, like, take it into my office and close the door so the dog doesn't follow me in there. That's the only time I get to enjoy pizza crust because the dog's around. I'll say, I'll say, I'm not giving you anything. And like five seconds later, I'm giving her the piece of pizza. Wow, pizza. wow, yeah. That's how you got, you got to get a German Shepherd. It won't bang or anything. They'll just they'll listen and they won't want to disappoint. My German Shepherd, like a German Shepherd, will not even eat pizza crust. It won't. Like he won't do that. It, it's got to be either the dog food or some sort of kind of meat. Maybe can get him a carrot or a vegetable a little bit, but won't eat like bread. It's, it's not going to happen there. So it's it's interesting that Macy can just eat that like that. I'm actually surprised. She loves pizza crust and she loves Italian bread and she loves pepperoni rolls, but we take out the pepperoni. Uh, we haven't, you know, because every once in a while we give her something she shouldn't and then somebody's got to clean up a mess on the floor and yeah. it's usually me. All right. Uh, speaking of messes, the Rams, has there been a Super Bowl champion that has fallen this far this fast? I can't think of one. I'm sure there's got to be one at some point in the last 55 years that just completely went off the rails. I don't remember to this. Rams, holy crap. Right? I don't remember to this. Honestly, the only time I can even – I've been thinking about this a little bit. i got to think about it more. But, like, you know, the 1987 Giants, the year after they won the Super Bowl, because of the strike – they, they had a bad strike team. They had a bunch of scabs and weren't good, so they lost, like, every game through that period there. You know, but, you're, I mean, other than that, Mike, I mean, you're right. I, I can't remember an ex-Super Bowl team basically being at the halfway point and us going, it's over, the season's over, and there's no way they're going to the playoffs. I, I, I can't remember that. The Steelers, the year after they won the one for the thumb, Super Bowl forty, they didn't make the playoffs. No. I can't remember how bad they were that year. The Patriots, after they won their first one, didn't make the playoffs in two thousand. But they were hot at the, the end of the time. year. Tom Brady had a three-game losing streak, but yeah. they they almost got there. They did. But this has just been a complete and total implosion, and this traces back to f them picks because you don't have depth. You don't have guys who can step in when guys are injured. You're not developing young players because you have effed your picks, and here we are. And to make matters worse, Cooper Cup's already out. Now Matthew Stafford is back in the concussion protocol. I was told that last night. This has been treated by the Rams as some sort of a state secret. I don't like this, and I think the NFL needs to intervene. The NFL needs to make it clear that – You can't take a day and a half to figure out whether or not a guy's in the concussion protocol. And this is a message that needs to be sent to the team doctors and to the independent neurological consultants who are involved in this process. I mean, I'd like to think you can figure out within a half hour or so whether or not a guy needs to be in the protocol. And if you can't figure it out, 
then he needs to be in the protocol. If there's any doubt, just put him in the protocol. This has been so bizarre to me. As of last night, late afternoon, Eastern time, they still didn't know. And finally, someone told me last night that he's in the protocol. I, they, they don't want to admit that he had a concussion. He's in the concussion protocol, and Sean McVay won't say he had a concussion. Sean, it's not the sprained ankle protocol. Of course he has a concussion. He's got to go through all these steps before he can play again. I don't get it. The whole thing's weird to me. And we got to care about the player as a patient, as a human being. And he's had two concussions now in two games, and they got to make sure he's okay. And it is just so odd that it took so long to get to this point. It's a bad look for everyone, and I'm glad they finally realized we just need to put this guy in the protocol. Yeah, it, it is a bad look. I mean, the, the Rams don't look good in general right now anyways. Look bad. And you know, Matthew Stafford, I mean, he's, he's getting beaten to a pulp. Uh, we're getting to the point here with the way the team looks and what's going on and you know the investment they've made in Stafford to where – I, I, you know, I almost got to start. You got to start thinking like, when, when do we just, you know, know when to hold them and know let's maybe it's time to fold them and start worrying about 2023 a little bit. I mean, again, yes, he played great in Sunday. I mean, he led them on two touchdown drives, bombed the two, two out wall, another drive where he just was getting killed and making one big throw after another. But I mean, they, they got nothing. They got nothing, and he has been getting killed all year long. It is. The whole situation's a little weird out there, and again, I don't know where it gets any better, and they're not going to be able to protect him when he gets back, and I just kind of wonder at what point do they start thinking about, you know, why rush him out there? Why even put him out there at all? Maybe we just, we've getting killed the last two years, really. Why don't we save his body and just regroup for next year? Well, here's one of the big problems as it relates to having a bunch of backups on the field, backups who aren't maybe as good as they could be or should be because you got all your money invested in a handful of stars. They have, coming up, they have a big tent late afternoon game at the Chiefs, which I'm, I don't know that you – know, that, that's a spot where you get 25 to 30 million viewers for a big game late afternoon, 425 p.m. start. I don't know what the alternative is in that spot this weekend, but they're at the Chiefs, and they have a Thursday night game – coming up week 14 against the Raiders, a Monday night game at the Green Bay Packers, standalone game in the middle of the afternoon on Christmas against the Broncos. What a stinker that's going to be. And then they're scheduled for New Year's Day, 8.20 p.m. on NBC. Got a feeling that one won't hold. That's a game at the Chargers, a home game against the Chargers, even though the Chargers are the home team. All those games now, we've got this rash of single spot, big profile national TV games. This is one of the last teams you want to watch. Yeah. You're going to have to do something. To, there's only so much they can do to move these around because the Thursday and Monday games aren't going anywhere. And that Christmas Day game isn't going anywhere. For as great as Thanksgiving games are going to be, hey, that middle game on Christmas, oh boy, that, that, one, that one shapes up to be not good at all. Excuse me. Sorry. I had a sneeze God there. bless you. Thank you very much. God no, bless you. It, do, it so, doesn't. And, anyway. and again, they're, they're not a, necessarily a very fun team to watch either. Uh, the defensive, we know it's still damn good and can give you some issues. And I'm sure it'll be a pain in the butt for you know, this Chiefs football team this weekend a little bit. But, yeah, it's the offense that you just go, I, they got no chance. Uh, the, the O-line is just it's one of the worst in football. No running game, 
We know the issues at receiver with no Cooper Cup. There was issues at receiver when they had Cooper Cup. So uh, it's 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 uh, it's falling apart fast. And yeah, I don't see like anything that says, well, they'll give one last stand and turn things around here down the stretch and win a few of these football games nope. and it'll look respectable. Yeah, I'm with you. Nope is nope is right. Nope. I could see them, you no, know, not un- losing not the majority of these. Bryce Perkins. Not unless Bryce Perkins plays like Kurt Warner in 1999. The only problem is he doesn't have all the guys around him that Kurt Warner did. So that's not going to happen, uh, assuming that Stafford misses this week and, and maybe more. I, I, they told me to take a break, but I do need to say this. I yeah. do need to say this because I did get a little vindication last night. NFL media reported that Justin Fields, the Bears quarterback, has a dislocated left shoulder. I was told by a very trustworthy source, not to be confused with my the sources that usually lie to me, that it wasn't dislocated. And then Shefty at halftime last night of 49ers Cardinals saying it was not dislocated. So thank you, Shefty, for breaking the Shefty tie. Shefty saving Florio's butt once again. Christmas Look at him. chocolates. <laughs> you don't have to send me Christmas chocolates this year. Not that you ever have. I'll accept that instead. Let's take a break. Uh, somebody's out in Denver. It's not Nathaniel Hackett yet. One of the players is gone. We'll talk about that when PFT Live continues right after this. With Melvin, you know, he's a guy that's a, he's a true pro. He's done a lot of good stuff uh, here at the Denver Broncos and scored some touchdowns for us this year. And we, we thought it was best uh, for the team. And we moved on, and I wish him the best of luck. And uh, I think it's a great for him to have a fresh start. And uh, But with the running backs, it'll be Marlon Mack. He'll be up. And then uh, Divine Zigbo, we're looking to see if we can get him up also, along with Latavius. He scored some touchdowns for us. It's not quite the same as all he does is score touchdowns. He has two this year. He had five fumbles. That's why Melvin Gordon is out with the Denver Broncos. I mean, he'd been there. This was his third year. He had 10 total touchdowns in 2020, 10 in 2021, two this year, but the five fumbles. Inopportune times. That, that's what eventually got rid of uh, Melvin Gordon in Denver. And he, Look, Chris, it's, it's a harsh reality of the business every day. Teams are basically firing employees. They're cutting players. And that's why I don't feel bad talking about maybe it's in the best interest of the team at some point to cut Matthew uh, uh, Nathaniel Hackett. Uh, it's the same standard. What's best for the team? And if you can snap your fingers and get rid of a player, as coaches do all the time, there's going to be a time where that standard of what's best for the team may apply to you too. And we, and we know that's going to happen. It's coming. It happened you know, six, seven times last year with owners deciding to move on that it was in the best interest of the team. So that that term gets used very broadly to justify a lot of stuff. And that stuff is guys being politely asked to gather their stuff and get the hell out. Yeah. You know, it's you know, you don't see it a whole, you know, a whole lot in the league, especially with a guy like Melvin Gordon, who's been around and, you know, court still still has some value as a runner. He's still big. He still runs pretty well. You know, his days of being a superstar or a top running back are gone, but the fumble issue has been an issue his whole career. And, you know, it, you said it, inopportune time. This was a huge moment in the football game. You know, I mean, one, yeah, you're, you know, supposed to get the first down. You don't get that, okay? And then they have to end up kicking the field goal, and then they miss the field goal. So there they were in a moment where it should have been first and goal from the two-yard line. And you're going to have three cracks at scoring a touchdown and really putting the Raiders in a tough spot with that good Denver Broncos defense. And they didn't do that. 
Let alone, I mean, you could sit there and go, hey, he doesn't fumble against Seattle at the one-yard line. Good chance they win that football game. You know, and there's one other, one or two others that are that are tough as well. So, you know, it's. I think that's where they just looked at it and said, okay, we can't depend on you. We don't trust you. We got to move on. And uh, you know, we'll see where it goes. Melvin Gordon. I would think someone's going to pick him up, though. He's going to have some value to a team that's looking to make the playoffs and needs to add to their their running back roster. Yeah, but. Does the fumbling problem get solved immediately? That's the issue. No, it's going to be. You don't be, want that to happen to scary, you if you're right. a contender in a playoff game. No, I know. I, yeah. I remember back when, you know, Adrian Peterson was good enough to overcome it, but he had a hell of a fumbling problem in 2009. And I remember harping on Paul Allen, who was voice of the Vikings back then. I'd be on his radio show with him every week. And I said, at some point this year, Adrian Peterson is going to fumble at the worst possible time. and It's going to screw up the season. And you know what? If Adrian Peterson hadn't fumbled a couple of times against the Saints, they would have easily won that game. Yeah. He had a couple of Melvin Gordon moments in that game. Yeah, so, he, he did. Uh, it's, it's, it's something you don't want to bring to your team if you have – uh, a contender unless you just have an absolute necessity. So we'll see how that goes. We'll have to go through waivers. After the trade deadline, every player who's released, regardless of experience level, goes through waivers. And if he clears waivers, he can sign with any team that chooses to offer him a job and that he chooses to sign with. Nathaniel Hackett ch- has chosen to give up the offensive play calling. He addressed uh, yesterday what it was like to go through a game without being the one to call the offensive plays. Here's what he had to say. I really liked it. I thought it was fun to be part of a little bit more integral with the defense uh, right there for each if we needed timeouts, penalties, all that stuff, and special teams offense, just being around the guys more, um, trying to get the crowd pumped up. They were amazing last night. I mean, they, they brought a lot of juice. I thought that was critical. And uh, so it, it was it was different, uh, something I'll have to get used to and get used to not touching the button. But uh, I thought it was really good. I, I think right now as we evaluate, you know, going into the game plan together, I think there, there's still going to be a lot of areas that I'll work in and uh and i'll continually help develop that and be in the quarterback room continually helping with that but not having to be in there full time same thing with the group um so it allowed me to kind of bounce around do some other things when i was uh, i was missing some things whether it be meetings or other things come up um so i think it'll free me up a little bit and also at the same time i'll still be there to help those guys as much as possible when we were in the tennessee game i just i i didn't feel right so i think that's why uh, i really kind of put my foot down and decided to to kind of move it over to clint and um, I'm excited. I'm excited to see what Clinton Justin can put together. Look, I, I know that it's been characterized as it was his decision. I, I just wonder how much of it is the balloon baskets being weighed down. I better throw something overboard if yeah. I want this thing to fly. Right. And, and, and you know, we, we've seen it with Jerry Rosberg being brought in to help with game management. And it's, it's just one thing after another. And as we see Mike McDaniel doing really well in Miami, Brian Dayball doing well with the Giants, Kevin O'Connell doing well with the Vikings, it just, it's just not a good look to have this many adjustments that you're making on the fly and you keep losing. That's the other side of it too, Chris. They made this change and they still lost the game. No, I, I know. It, it doesn't look great. It doesn't. You know, but, but the, 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 the still all these changes and – this is where I defend Nathaniel Hackett a little bit, are all being done because of one reason once again. Oh, well, I, we all got to ha- change this perception because of Russell Wilson. I mean, that's what it is. I, that's where, again, I'll, I defend him a little bit because of that, where, I, hey, I'll give up play calling duties. Well, why? I mean, you've been calling plays, and I watch the film, and I've done some things on social media that you know about, and we talk about, where I go, people are open. 
You know, every game that everybody does of Russell Wilson and the Denver Broncos, the announcers point out people are open. You know, but oh, I got to give up the play calling duties because of just the perception of the situation. You know, that's what's happened here. It's the politics. The guy that they are paying the most, that they have put all the assets into and made the biggest move, has been the biggest failure for their football team. And you don't, you can talk to anybody in football and the rumors that are coming out of there from the players in the locker room and everything, everything points to that. Let alone, we went through a game here last weekend again where. The biggest mistake of the football game, other than maybe Melvin Gordon's fumble right there, was by the $45 million quarterback who threw an incompletion with a minute and 40 seconds left and didn't take a sack, had an open receiver for a first down and didn't want to throw it to him. I mean, things where you go, you know, I'd love to blame the coach, but you've played enough football here. There's, there's no excuse. There's no excuse. And then to make that change the whole dynamics of the end of the football game to where you gave the Raiders a chance to go down and beat you, let alone if you take the sack, you're going to make it dicey to whether the field goal can even happen and they can get in position to tie the game. So, again, it's the blunders, and I don't want to jump on one guy here, but it, it, it's, the, it's the, the horse in the room as far as the Broncos are concerned, is that the quarterback is not playing good let's at not all. Ride. <laughs> yeah, let's, let's not, not ride. ride. Right. Um, well, th- there's more we could say, but we need to take a break. The bottom line is they traded for him. I they know. either got conned or they didn't do their due diligence. They paid him when they had seen some presumably issues. enough in training camp that they should have wondered, Do we? Do, maybe we should wait a year on this. And, you know, there are still people who think that when Nathaniel Hackett became the coach, it was all part of a plan to get Aaron Rodgers there as the quarterback, not Russell Wilson. And you wonder, I, I still think that, that Aaron Rodgers basically was the guy who said, I'm going to go skydiving, I'm going to go skydiving, I'm going to go skydiving, and it was time to jump out of the plane. He decided not to do it. <laughs> I, and, um, you know, may, maybe Hackett didn't think he was going to get Russell Wilson. Maybe he thought he was going to have Aaron Rodgers. Not that Rodgers' play this year would have been any better based upon what we've seen in Green Bay. Let's go ahead and take a break. The Week 11 Statement Draft, Thursday, Sunday, and or Monday. We'll do that when PFT Live continues right after this. The World Cup continues. You can see it on Telemundo and on Peacock. It's in Spanish. Team USA tied Wales 1-1 to in the opening matchup on Monday. Next up, it's USA against England, Friday at 2 p.m. Eastern. Telemundo and Peacock in Spanish. Better than Rosetta Stone. You learn a little Espanol. I had three years of it, and I still don't. It's been a long time. It's been 40 years. 40 years removed from three years of Spanish means I really don't know any Spanish. I know this, though. It's time for the Week 11 Statement Draft. Chris, who do you have? (laughs) Oh! Don't do this to me. Oh! Why? Yes. Yeah. Why? Um I don't know. I mean, I just the whole Cowboys organization, the statement they made of just saying, you know, Mike Florio, that number one team you got in the power rankings, that statement is wrong. Uh, so we're going to change those rankings for you a little bit. We're going to do it convincingly. No problem here. We're going to make sure that they're nowhere near the top three after this one. Uh, so the Dallas Cow, I, you know, again, they're just, we know that's not really the Vikings. And I don't know if Dallas is really that good, but I, th- I think it does show you what they're capable of. Uh, I think that's the biggest thing. 
and you know the adjustments they made on the defensive side of the ball, the talent they have there. You know, Dak Prescott, the way he threw the football, Pollard, the way he looks. I mean, and you know, how can you not come away with that and just go, man? Dallas has got one of the more talented teams in football. Yeah, I, I think you're absolutely right. It would have been mine. A total organizational statement, an ass kicking. And you, you may want to save some of those points for Thursday against the Giants or some future game. And, you know, my son and I were texting about this yesterday, too. If the Vikings and the Cowboys cross paths again, maybe you catch the Cowboys a little flat-footed because it, like, it was so easy last time. Maybe you punch them in the mouth early and you get a different outcome, although I wouldn't expect a different outcome, not after what we saw on Sunday. I'm going to go Travis Kelsey, mm. the Kansas City Chiefs. He yeah. made the pregame statement with the Fonzie T-shirt, football family and Fonzie, and then he had three touchdowns in the game. He had 100 yards receiving, most ever for a tight end. And that guy, it's just amazing. And he's kind of got that Mahomes quality where he moves among the other players. He's not the fastest guy, but he knows where the openings are. And he knows how to get to where he wants to be before the other guys can get to him. And he's just, he's just you can't say enough good things about Travis Kelsey, the football player. And it made it a lot easier to not have Tyree Kill because they still have Travis Kelsey and he still gets it done even without Hill there to take some of the attention. Yeah, it is. It, it's uh, it's amazing. I mean, him and Mahomes, what they do is it's I, I don't know what else to say. It's one of the greatest combinations we've ever seen in football. I mean, Kelsey's a first ballot Hall of Famer. So was Mahomes. You know, the way those guys play in clutch moments, I'll add Chris Jones to that first ballot Hall of Famer in my opinion. You know, they just rise to the occasion in every big moment. And Mahomes right now is is the MVP of football, in, in my opinion, for for what he's done. Um, you know, I, I don't mean to go like uh, I'm, I'm gonna go I'm gonna go with Shanahan here and the statement that he made last night. I, I think that's where I want to go. Just the just the, the the 49ers and showing you again that the capabilities of that offense and with the way Jimmy Garoppolo is playing and we know the run game special but it's all the other tricks and things they got to go along with it and the defense a lot like the Cowboys conversation it's just the 49ers I think put everybody on notice last night it's not easy to win by 28 points in the NFL let alone 28 points and everybody's out in the fourth quarter I think it just shows like the Cowboys the potential this team has when they're kind of hitting on all cylinders I'm going to go back to Thursday. Oh, night. damn it. Some love. Damn it. Traylon Burks. Yeah. Were you going to take Traylon Burks? I was going to take the Titans seven and get into catches. that a little. Yeah. Seven catches for 111 yards. Yeah. You know, he was put under a very difficult amount of pressure by ex being expected to replace A.J. Brown. And that play at the end with 204 left. Brilliant play. This is the kind of aggressiveness that makes sense. You catch a team flat-footed. You catch a team napping. They expect you to run the ball in that spot. You know the clock is stopping after that play anyway. Exactly. What the hell? Exactly. Let's throw one deep. That was brilliant by Mike Vrabel. So uh, Traylon Burks starting to come to life for the Titans and giving them a real option in the passing game uh, with his 111 receiving yards. Let's take a break. We'll wrap up the show and wrap up the draft right after this. Week 11 statement draft. There are the first two rounds. We have one more to go each. Chris, what do you have? I, uh, I, I picked enough. I feel like I picked enough teams, so I, I don't want to do that. I, I don't want to go there. I'm just. I'm going to go with Joe Burrow here in this one. 
You know, just the, 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 the way they played in Pittsburgh, you know, won the game by seven, but really, you know, won by more than that. It was a little bit misleading, that final score. But just, again, the big plays, the not blinking, oh, wait, a big turnover and a big moment. T.J. Watt made an unbelievable interception, just comes back, keeps firing. When there's a big play to be had, he pulls the trigger, you know, but didn't force the issue, was patient underneath, throwing the ball to the running backs and stuff. I feel like Cincinnati is getting close to getting this thing on track and really rolling. I think they made a statement, especially Joe Burrow on Sunday. And Jamar Chase could be back Uh soon, which makes a huge difference. How about Cordero Patterson? Ah, I like it. Kick return touchdown of his career. Sets a record. A guy who got started as a kick return specialist and couldn't really do anything else for the Vikings and then started doing all these other things with other teams. And now he's primarily a running back. You never see him lined up out wide anymore. And he gets it done, but he still can take a kickoff to the house and he did it for the ninth time that's pretty it's an all-time record when you think of all the great return specialists chris that's pretty damn impressive yeah it really is i mean what a career and how he's been used all over the field it's it's very impressive congratulations still going strong yeah we're not going we're done see you tomorrow have a great day Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939.